Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. Kingdom Casts Podcasts, back with you again. And with us once again is Sandra. For the last time, the NDA forbids me from talking about being Samuel L. Jackson's love toy swindle. <laughs> I'm Stan Daniel, and with me as always is Albert Marsh. So, Albert, yep. we are recording this a mere two days after Zuck Ocalypse. The mm-hmm. Zuck Ocalypse. Yeah. Is that right? I guess. I mean, ain't nothing going to happen to him. How did both of you hold up for the, what was it, four hours Facebook was down? <laughs> and now it were. I haven't been on Facebook in years. I didn't even know it was down until I turned on the TV for a moment. I'm completely convinced that whole thing was to distract. Everybody was talking about Facebook being down and nobody was talking about the whistleblower that testified in front of Congress. I don't believe at all that was an accident. Probably. They have a very valid excuse. They equivocated it to locking the keys to your car in your car's trunk. I feel bad for the people in Europe that use WhatsApp because they use that to connect and avoid outrageous fees on talking to people in other countries. Yeah. Which, like us in Alabama talking to somebody in Georgia, if we knew somebody in Georgia was talking to. I don't even give a crap about whistleblowers anymore. Well, isn't that a case-by-case basis? Well, I mean, when you look at it, when it comes to political stuff or corporate stuff, it's all it is is people who didn't say stuff when they should have and just waited for a book deal to come along. And then they said it. Yeah, it's all of society, pal. We're all waiting for the book deal. No, all these people, they just wait until they can make something out of it and then act like there's somebody special and they're not. (laughs) What got me was, and Sandra, you do live in Georgia, so, well, you wouldn't, you don't listen to local talk radio, would you, Sandra? No. I don't either. But when uh, Facebook had went down, I had to go on my runs, my errands, and I figured rather than plugging my phone in and listening to the latest Star Wars novel, I was going to listen to local talk radio and see what they were saying. I sorely regret it. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I don't listen to it. They were reporting. I'm serious. There was a talk show locally here in Birmingham that was reporting that this is the end of all social media. Everything is gone. Facebook, Instagram, everything else has been completely erased. There's no way to communicate with each other. And now we're just going to have to go back to talking to each other. Has God intended? (laughs) Who said that? That's, I'm not going to say his name because I can't remember his name. Never heard of this guy before in my life. And his producer was way better at talk format than he actually was. I listened to this guy. My blood was boiling. Social media is not down. Facebook is down. Instagram is down. Twitter's functioning fine. They were reporting, oh, now we're getting reports that Gmail is down. No, you're not. 
you're reading. You're reading. I mean, a bunch you can of, check on Gmail. You just go to your Gmail and see what well, see what you got. Throughout the day, typically, yes, Gmail has problems. Twitter has problems. It just depends on the region you're in and what's going on, and could be any number of things. That area is down, and then it's back up. We are a very, very fragile people to have seen the number of reaction to Facebook and Instagram going down. That's not the internet. <laughs> Well, I only use Facebook to harass people on local news stories. <laughs> We've got our Kingdom pages, Kingdom Casts and Kingdom Comics. And I use Kingdom Comics to entertain and advertise Kingdom Casts. And you post the podcast, Funny Stuff on Kingdom Comics. But aside from that, on my personal account, I do the same thing you do, except I do it in the Disney groups. Annual pass holders, Walt Disney World and Walt Disney World Adult Only. I swing in there to give them. Yeah, well, it's a lot of fun. I also use it for its dating thing, but Facebook dating's worse than Christian Mingle. (laughs) This is a shock to you? Christian Mingle's all like, I've got three kids and still live with my baby daddy. God bless. Have a blessed day. Lord. (laughs) Isaiah chapter one. I don't know. You know what I mean. (laughs) You know, they always put some random book of the Bible in a chapter and verse. I don't know. It, it probably ain't got nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> but then Lot's daughters got him drunk and got in love with him. Please ignore the swastika on my face. I'm a changed, <laughs> I'm a changed person. God bless. Jesus loves you. <laughs> See, as a Christian, I can make these jokes. <laughs> if any atheists make these jokes, they're racist. <laughs> well, as whatever I need to be at the time, <laughs> I can laugh at those jokes. <laughs> it's easier that way. If you want to participate in something, you know, are you a Catholic? Yes, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> are you Jewish? Yeah, I'm Jewish. <laughs> I had a Seinfeld episode walking to work today. Oh. These uh, old people came up, and this one dude was a New York Jewish dude, is what he was, about 90 years old. He was talking about walking into the room where his grandson was watching nude ballet on PBS. <laughs> Alabama PBS? Birmingham? WBHM? I guess it's New York PBS. I mean, the dude, New York. I mean, the guy was legit. Like, he was from New York. And you could tell that by, without him saying he's from New York, you could tell he's from New York. Does WBHM still exist anymore? <laughs> the local public? I think it does on some level. I can't find it anywhere. It's not listed on any of the channel things. When I lived in Atlanta, and admittedly, this was 1985, 86 or so, I was very impressed because even without cable, you had five local stations and then you had two PBS stations. You still have two PBS stations? You live in Augusta, though, don't right? Yes. Would you care to give out the full address since I, I just narrowed it down? Lord have mercy. In Augusta, you have Georgia Public Broadcasting and you have South Carolina Public Broadcasting because we're, okay, so well, we're right on the border. There were two PBS stations broadcasting out of Atlanta. So I got two Doctor Who episodes every Friday and Saturday night from the two different stations. And uh, Isn't public broadcasting in Birmingham kind of redundant? <laughs> It's been so long. I can't even remember what the channels were in Birmingham. 
WBHM, WIAT, Channel 42, that's CBS affiliate, WVTM, that's Channel 13, NBC affiliate, and of course, the leader, WBRC, Channel 6, which is aligned with Fox, and then there's ABC 3340, which is so schizophrenic that nobody even knows what it's doing. And WTTO, Channel 21, used to be aligned with CW, but then so did Channel 68. But when I was growing up here, we only had Channel 6, Channel 13, Channel 42, and Channel 10, which was WBHM. And WTTO came along sometime when I was in high school. There's no easy way to segue from that, but let's go right into this. William Shatner is about to go into space, literally. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't care. Is, it, is he actually paying for that? No, no, I'm no, pretty I sure it's some. It's, it's got to be some money. It. Is it Bezos? It's Bezos. So who's doing it? Yeah, I think it's Bezos. I'm pretty sure Bezos approached him and with the idea. I mean, this is wonderful publicity, but I really, you don't care. I kind of find something. Nah. I kind of like that. If we were shooting. What if he dies? He's not going to die. This man is immortal. Have you you seen him? He looks pretty good for 90, actually. He looks extraordinarily well. He looks better than any of his compatriots at that age. No matter what you look like when you get turned to ash in space. He's not. Stop that. (laughs) What happens when I'm right? Just stop it, okay? He's going to be fine. This is Captain James T. Kirk. It's not like they're shooting Kate Mulgrew up there, and then, you know, we completely lose the spaceship. James T. Kirk is a fictional character. This is a 90-year-old man. And I still think that's it's awesome. William Shatner is being shot into space. That's awesome. There's some form of poetry there. I don't like Bezos. I don't like Bezos at all. I like the concept of this. I like the idea of this. I think this is awesome. Well, I hope he does well. <laughs> Let's put it that way. What, don't, don't you find something, I don't know, uh, romantic about that? Romantic? Gosh, Diane, Jesus. I'm, I'm not saying romantic in the lovelorn sense. I'm saying romantic so far as there's a kind of poetry to it. There's something to I just really like that Captain Kirk's going into space. I hope he gets up there and shields tech war. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are making some kind of cartoon out of it or something, aren't they? That's what they need to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, since we're going to be mean tonight. <laughs> so, Albert, I, I haven't heard you brought up yet that Scarlett Johansson and Disney resolved the situation behind closed door. And Scarlett, Scarlett came out and said she was very, very happy and that she can't wait to get started on the Tower of Terror movie. Where are all the headlines about that? Who cares? <laughs> you cared. <laughs> I cared when Disney was trying to rip people off and not pay them. And Disney, I told you the entire time, Disney was not trying to rip her off. They were going to resolve it behind closed doors. No, Disney tried to rip her off, and it wasn't until she filed a lawsuit that they decided that they were going to pay her. Very, She's very happy. She's getting started on the Tower of Terror movie. That's a Disney project. Lord, who wants to watch that? And she apologized to Disney for any trouble she may have caused them. She did not. Recognize that without Disney, she'd be another nameless actor begging for attention on YouTube. B.S. And Mickey graciously 
forgave her. But we're not seeing headlines about all that. No, 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 because it doesn't put Disney in a bad light. It puts Disney in a good light. And we can't talk about that. How it's suddenly it put Disney into a good light that they're paying her what she's due and she was forced to put, she was forced to... to, we, don't, to we don't know. We, we know that the situation was resolved. I imagine Bob Chapek walked in there, popped a few knuckles, and said, listen, Scarlett... <laughs> You think they got some feet picks out of it? I would have. Well, the point is that Disney was kind and graciously has welcomed her back into the fold, and she's ecstatic to be there. Then I would have traded Tarantino a Star Trek script for him. What? I would have took her feet pics and traded Tarantino a Star Trek script for him. You're going a long way for that one there. No, people, I'm not. You're assuming people know that Quentin Tarantino have a foot fetish. I would imagine if they're listening to this podcast, they do. If not, they can well, just I find watch that's quite disturbing. <laughs> if, if not, they can just watch a movie of his and figure it out real easy. <laughs> he especially likes them when they're dirty on the bottom. Oh my gosh! Like, you know, like Boy, black almost. You, you can't escape it. And I love, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. One of my favorite movies. I, I've watched it God knows how many times. But damn, you can't escape. You can't watch that movie and not know that something weird is up with him and feet. Remember Kill Bill? There's a whole thing about her wiggling her toe. I didn't know that he had a foot fetish at that time. And it didn't occur to me because she was paralyzed. And that makes sense. All you have to do is wiggle your toe. So I just bought that whole thing. That played right into the story. The hippie getting into the car with Brad Pitt plying her feet against the windshield. Nasty, dirty feet. That's blatant, especially after getting Margot Robbie to take her shoes off in the theater. He's only going to do one more film. Isn't that right, according to rumors? He always says he's going to do X amount of movies, but I don't know what number he's on. He's on number nine. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was number nine. He says he's going to do 10. And he's off the Star Trek project. Star Trek Four is going ahead with Hemsworth and Pine three years after anybody gives a damn anymore. Quentin Tarantino is not involved in it. They can make him involved real easy. Well, they could, but I don't think he wants to be, and he want he he would want to do something else. He would want to do something else with a different set of characters. And I I wanted Star Trek for because I liked Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and the whole group. I thought those were great movies. I don't care what anybody says; they were entertaining. It was an alternate reality. Sherlock made a great con. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did not. He was terrible. Con was the worst thing about that movie. I thought he was a pretty good con. No, he wasn't. Well, we're on the subject of movies. Spider-Man No Way Home. According to several different sources out there and Mr. Koloski bringing this to our attention, they have filmed three different death scenes. Spider-Fan, who is leaking most of this and has been proven right over time, and the Hollywood Reporter and Entertainment Tonight are quoting from him, says that no Spider-Man dies in the film. So if Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield show up, like we suspect they will, they're not going to die. To back this up, a couple of people, one in, one person in particular got fired for the leaks. She got caught. We know it was a, a woman and she got caught for leaking to Spider-Fan. But they filmed three different death scenes. Do y'all want to know who the three different death scenes are that they filmed? Ned? Yeah. Happy? No. Unhappy? The teacher? No, he's funny, but nobody gives a damn about him. I mean, he may die in the film, but that's not one of them. I don't know. Sandra, you want to take a guess? I'm sorry. It's for Spider-Man's movie? Yes. Aunt May. Sandra. Yes, that's correct. Aunt May is one of the three 
rumored death scenes that they filmed for this. MJ is the third. Oh. So Ned, MJ, and Aunt May are the three rumored. Who is Ned? Ned is his best friend. Have you seen any of the Spider films? No. The last one I watched was one of the Garfield ones. Let's let's go into this for just a second. What do you not like about Spider-Man? He's a landlubber, this one. (laughs) He's entirely covered up. No. (laughs) He's useless in the ocean. (laughs) He just always seemed like a whiny kid to me. I don't, you know, he always had crap happening to him. And then he would whine about it. Stuff would happen. And it's just like, oh, I, I just didn't. All Namor does is whine. What are you talking about? Just not wine. Good Lord. He talks about, oh, you know, land dwellers or whatever you call them. Well, is it really whining, though? Most of what's considered Peter whining is in his head. He doesn't <laughs> say anything to Aunt May. He doesn't say anything to any of his friends or anything. It's mostly his thoughts. Well, I have to read his thoughts, don't I? No, because there's pictures on the page. Just well, actually, pictures. I don't read any of them because I don't read Spider-Man. I don't know. I don't know. There's just nothing that really appealed to me about Spider-Man. Maybe his high school swirlies or wedgies or whatever happened to him. And I don't know. There's just wasn't. uh, I know that most of the world thinks Spider-Man is the quintessential superhero character and more power to him. But there's just it's just like Superman. I just don't relate to either of those two characters. Superman has a standard to meet. Superman is the beginning and the end of the American superhero. Spider-Man is the, yeah, he showed up first. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's the first. He's the template and stuff. He's just too, I don't know. Yeah, I was just curious. We'll have to go into that deeper with you. It's been a while since I read any Spider-Man. But Spider-Man I read was... John Romita Sr., wasn't it? I read a couple of those books, the actual Spider-Man title, but I never collected the Spider-Man title. So I, I wouldn't say that I read it in any regular fashion. The only one I did read in a regular fashion was Marvel Team Up. And that was because, you know... He teamed up with everybody. It's almost an anthology thing. There would be who knew who was going to show up in that. Continuing our Marvel movie updates here. Eternal storyline is supposed to split into two parts. One is a family unit presented in the past and the other has a fractured group in the present. And that is according to Disney themselves. The family unit in the past, that would explain all the rumors of seeing a young version of Thanos. Given that the current Eternals miniseries is revolving around Thanos at the moment. Those are pretty good odds that we're going to get Thanos in Eternals. They better show them because this movie looks bad. What? I've said it before, especially after Shang-Chi. They've got my complete faith until they, until they mess something up major. I'm not overly anxious to see the movie, but I've no doubt it'll be great. And I say that after Shang-Chi, which is about to hit Disney+. Plus. In November? Yes. That's not about. I was about to say, that's over a month away. That's like at least five different eras of the human race right there. Why don't we just talk about what actually has hit on Disney Plus, which is they finally bought Black Widow. Yeah, Black Widow hit when? Today? Yesterday? Yeah, Black Widow is just as wonderful as we remember it. Neither of you have seen Venom Let There Be Carnage, have you? No. Not yet. Dear God. Well, spoiler alert, everybody, as if you hadn't figured it out by now, since we gave away a lot of the No Way Home stuff. God, that movie was the best part of it was watching Eddie Brock talk to Venom. So in other words, the best part of the movie was Tom Hardy talking to himself. That was entertaining. the The first movie. 
Yeah, I didn't like the first movie either. But some of the CGI in this looked like stop-motion animation. It really did. There's a couple of scenes with Carnage in it where it looked like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer quality when it came to movement. Did it look better or worse than Black Panther? Black Panther had that one really bad scene where they were falling into the mines of Wakanda. Well, it's, the, it's the Killmonger Black Panther fight. If, yeah. Is it worse than that? Yes. Yes, it is. I don't know about that. I don't that that seems I love Black Panther, but that that fight they needed special effects needed to step up for the Killmonger Black Panther fight. But all of that was still smooth. You could still suspend disbelief over it except for like one scene when they started to fall. But in this Venom and Carnage both have a couple of scenes where they look like they're stop motion animation. So if you haven't yet, really don't waste your money on it unless you're just a Venom fan. This movie was made for Venom fans. You said it's written by Tom Hardy? Yeah, the movie was written by Tom Hardy and somebody else, and it's directed by Andy Serkis. Claw, Mm -hmm. Golem, King Kong. I I would rather see him do something else before I pass complete judgment on directing capabilities, but this movie was just a hot mess. However, I'd be lying if I didn't say I laughed through a lot of it that was meant to be laughed at. Yeah. So at least I feel, you know, if you can make me laugh, that goes a long way. So I'm okay with having sat through it once, but I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Sandra, you've already seen it twice, right? No, I have not. Even though I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan, I have to be careful about going into a theater around here. I took my chances and tried to do it at the latest show possible with the fewest people there for the two uh, Marvel movies. Those are the only two movies I've seen in the theater, which were Black Widow and and Shang-Chi. Denise and I have looked out. We go as early as possible, and the theater has not been anywhere near full on Shang-Chi or Venom Let There. For a while, we were the only two people in the theater on Venom Let There Be Carnage. And then these two older women walk in and sit down really close to the screen. And at one point, both of them get up and walk out before the movie's over. I don't know if they had the wrong movie or what. The one thing you do want to sit through on uh, Venom is the end credits because this begins to fold everybody into everything ever. It was still kind of messy. For me, the only reason to go to a Venom movie is to see Tom Hardy. I don't suspect I'll be disappointed. If I have zero interest in Spider-Man, I have negative 100 interest for Venom. (laughs) Run the numbers on that, did you? Watching paint dry would make me happier than than to have to read well, a Venom comic. The book. only reason the only reason to see this movie is Tom Hardy and That's Tom right. Hardy interacting with himself. Tom Hardy does the Venom voice and plays Eddie Brock. Those scenes are funny. If they hadn't stopped right after the first twenty minutes of the movie and separated Venom from Tom Hardy, it was boring. Woody Harrelson's running around playing a sociopath. Does he not do this every movie? You get nothing new out of Woody from this. He's not overly convincing his uh, Carnage because Carnage is just special effects. That's all Carnage is. And then you've got the Spider-Man slash Daredevil bad guy Shriek in it, who's played by the same woman that plays Tia Dama in Pirates of the Caribbean series. And I like her a lot, but she just didn't. There's nothing new, nothing new to any of this. And then you sit through the credits and you get that end of credit scene that everybody's talking about and wondering what it means. And it's clear what it means. Just everybody sit back and wait and let's hope that this doesn't mess anything up in in what looks to be a great movie coming out. I'm talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, not Venom. Let there be carnage. Hey, have y'all heard the stuff about Shuri, Letitia Wright? Yeah, that was a known thing before they even started filming, I think. 
they're still filming. A while back, she had some anti-vax slash misinformation posts on Twitter, which she eventually took down. I read something about that she was spouting off again, but I don't know if that means that she's refusing to get vaccinated or she's not doing the COVID protocols or what. I don't know exactly what the uproar is about her now other than... Her. I don't want to see her gone. I like her history. I really what do. She's has she actually done something, or is she just no? That's again? it's not clear because you can't rely on the people on Twitter, and nobody's come out. There's just been these on news reports that aren't really news, saying things like her anti-vax stand is getting her in trouble on Twitter. Uh, Gizmodo, for ex- uh, for example, here's their headline: Letitia Wright continues anti-vaccine stance on black. Panther, Wakanda forever. Well, what does that mean? Does that Pushed. mean she's sharing her opinion, or does that mean she's actually not? Yeah, it means the sharing or yeah, taking the, the taking the pit shot. Page six and two others are reporting it like this: Letitia Wright pushed anti-vax views on Black Panther 2 set. To me, when the media says pushed, that means to me that she talked to somebody about it, or she presented her opinion or something. Whoever's leaked this. Wants attention, or no, say this is, or maybe they wanted to get vaccinated or stay yeah. the heck away from her. This is stand downplaying stuff that affects a, a Disney product. Oh no, 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 no! I don't, I don't look. My point of view on this is I like Letitia Wright as Shuri. I'm not up for them replacing the actress that plays that character. If she's putting people in jeopardy, that's one thing. That's what I'm saying, you know. If she simply said something to somebody about it while obeying protocols that the studio and that the production company is okay with, that's another thing. You cannot get COVID from somebody saying something on the internet or saying something to you from across the room with both of you wearing masks about, I don't believe in the vaccine. I still, you know, freedom of speech. Do I believe everybody should get vaccinated? Yes, I do. Do I believe it should be mandated? Just like President Biden? No, I do not. That is a that is a dangerous precipice. And by ordering everybody vaccinated, that's going to cause a lot more problems than it solves. Am I vaccinated? Yes. Will I get shots? However many is required for me to feel safe that my wife and mother and father are not going to contract the virus from me or anybody else for that matter. But, you know, saying things that you can tell me all day why you're not vaccinated and I'll nod my head and let you go on about your business. Preferably in another state. I say. <laughs> huh? Preferably in another state. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm pretty safe from Sandra's anti-vax views. <laughs> Sandra is not anti-vax views, and Sandra is pro-mandate. Thank you very much. There's nothing that I'm going to say to anybody that's anti-vax that's going to make a damn difference. I agree. I've had a conversation with several people. Please get vaccinated. My mother would appreciate it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You ain't got to say that. They ain't going to be here for much longer. And and and, and at this point, I would appreciate it because I'm not getting any younger. Now, what's going to happen is we're going to get a bunch of emails saying, but but what if you're in a car wreck and the hospital doesn't have any beds available and so on and so forth? There's a lot of what ifs and there's a lot of scenarios. I'm saying that maybe if people just shut up at the anti-vaxxers for a little while, then things would change a bit because the more you press individuals like this on something, the more they're going to dig in. I brought this up simply because I like Letitia Wright as Shuri and I don't want to see her fired from that. Too bad. Well, she's not. I don't think they're... they're 
too I, far I, into it. They're not going to replace say, her. I seriously doubt they're going to fire her given the situation with they mm-hmm. already lost their lead. Tragedy of Chadwick Boseman. That she's like the next, I would guess, 75%. And I would put money that she's going to be the next Black Panther in Black Panther I, 2. I think it's going to be her and M'Baku. You don't need two back. How is that supposed to work? I'm just saying. There's I'm a two saying. in the title. There's going to be two of them. Oh, my God. Didn't you ever watch RoboCop 2? <laughs> oh, God, Albert. Yeah, I don't know what the heck she's doing. If she's just voicing her opinion or sharing these videos. The, the, the two articles, the two sensible articles that are not Gizmodo are reporting that she's pushing her anti-vax views. When you see the word pushing in a headline like this that's about entertainment and is not coming from the AP wire, what that means is she talked to a couple of people about it and said, I don't believe you should be vaccinated. Mm. I don't believe in the vaccine. No, I think it's more than that. But whatever. What do you think she's doing? I think she's getting on soapbox, what I think. Okay, so it's the same thing. She's standing on a soapbox saying, you shouldn't be vaccinated. It's not like a Scientology thing where they're following you to your house or knocking on the door saying, Xenu's on his way, join up. Is he not? N- no, he's he's been waylaid a little bit. He's you not coming for your for generation. What if, what if they're right? What if, Albert? What if in the whole universe, Scientology got it right? Jeez. What if, Albert? I suspect that there was either, like you said, a conversation or the cast or crew asked about her getting vaccinated or whatever, and then there was a discussion about her views about vaccination. Oh, well, I don't know. You- I, I gave Stan like the easiest softball to go to the What If show and talk about that and we're still talking about Tom Cruise. I know. You you did. You did. So what if, Albert? What if? Well, I'll tell you what if. Let's go to our email. Eric has written in on Wednesday to say, eh, E-H period, eh. Just finished watching What If. Overall, the series ended up being okay, I suppose, but it feels like they wasted a lot of potential. Could have been so much more than what it ended up being. Initially, I responded to him with, yeah, I have a big problem with Infinity Stones that can reality cross. He writes back, yes, I have a big problem with that and a number of other things, too. There are way too many things in this series that you have to quote, no prize, end quote, to explain or make reasonable. It feels like they half-assed their way through the series, and it's a shame because I really like the overall premise of most of the episodes. In addition to that, we got several other messages concerning Heather wrote in, don't the Infinity Gems only work in native realities? Griff wrote in, I thought the Thor episode was stupid. It completely ignored Millionaire's rules, and it wasn't funny, just stupid, and there's no way Captain Marvel can beat Thor in a fist fight. Uh, it's, it's, it's a children's cartoon. Well, they, there's continuity to it. And then Gerald writes in and asks, so what are the rules of Thor's hammer in the what if worlds? You get the point. There's several what if questions. Let me address the Thor's hammer yeah. thing first. Thor's hammer didn't have the rule to it, did it? Since no, it was it just didn't. partying and throwing it around. I assume the, the uh, in, incantation or whatever wasn't part of it. Yeah, Millionaire is enchanted to Thor in this, but it does not have Odin's stipulation of whoever lift the hammer, if they be worthy, will have the power of Thor. Odin never did that to the hammer because Thor never ended up in the situation because Loki was not there. But the hammer still obeyed Thor. That's why he could put it in the middle of cartoon Brie Larson's chest and her not be able to get up. It obeyed Thor but it did not have the stipulation of being worthy to lift the hammer. That's what you're looking for there. Odin 
never put the worthy enchantment on the hammer, at least not in that reality. So theoretically, Hulk could lift it then. Let's go into the Captain Marvel Thor fistfight. Sandra, you saw, you've seen all of What If, right? Yes. Sandra, you sound enthused, right? (laughs) Well, I think I might have mentioned this earlier. The only two episodes I liked were the first one, which I really feel, yes, I really feel they did that first to suck people in because it was the best episode of them all. Mm. That was me. I thought at first I wasn't even going to bother watching What If, and then I watched the first episode. This is good. I'm going to watch the rest. And then it just went downhill, except for the Doctor Strange episode, which was good. Overall, I thought it was a good series. The only episode I didn't care for really was the Yellow Jacket stuff. You liked the zombie one? Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I didn't hate it. You liked it better than you did the Yellow Jacket. Yeah, the Yellow jacket one just didn't do anything because he didn't give you anything. I'm going to go back to Griff's question about Captain Marvel and Thor. Captain Marvel could kick Thor that Thor's butt because that Thor is undisciplined, has no direction or anything else. So yeah, I buy that that Captain Marvel who came out of the military and has lived her whole life as a Kree warrior could kick that Thor's butt. Standard Thor, no, I don't even think Marvel in the uh, 616 universe. It would come off as a draw between Marvel and Thor. Yeah, I don't have well, a problem. Marvel was a net binning. I said in the 616 universe. Okay. And while we're on the 616 universe, here's the problem I have with the stones. The standard primary reality from which everything else springs is the comic book reality, the 616 reality. That spouts off all the other realities, all the other what-if in comics, all the other ultimate comics, all the other interpretations of the characters. And that primary reality has shown and illustrated and set up as a rule that infinity stones in one reality will not work in another reality. They not only set it up inside of Marvel Comics, they set it up inside of DC Comics as well with the Avengers Justice League crossover that came out 2003-2004. I believe, and I thought they were carrying it on because of the situation in Loki with the TVA where, oh yeah, you know, the stones don't work here and blah, blah, blah. Well, that makes sense because the stones don't work outside of their own reality. And then in What If, Ultron has these stones and is not switching them out and is reality jumping from point to point and these stones are still active. No, 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 no. Because the primary universe says the stones cannot be interactive outside of their own reality, that means that the cinematic universe, which What If is a part of, has to obey those rules as well. So that's my major problem. Not necessarily. I think it's necessarily. I mean, what if a cartoon, you could just apply cartoon physics and science to it. And what if is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It's still a cartoon. I, you know, that doesn't that just doesn't fly. It's a cartoon that's set within the realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These things are coming back to bite us in the butt. Since then, we've heard more and more about Captain Carter showing up in live-action movies. I really believe we're going to get her in a live-action movie. Maybe not a standalone movie, but I definitely think she's going to show up in Doctor Strange. Didn't they say, isn't there some rumor that she's going to get an animated series? Oh, that'd be awesome. I haven't seen that pop up in front of me, and nobody's reported that. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd be great with that. Wouldn't you? 
I would watch it. I loved Agent Carter. I think that was one of the best shows that Marvel had. I, I loved and Agent I loved, Carter in all of the episodes. That was the, the best episode of this series. I know they were talking about the T'Challa Star-Lord one be a spinoff, but of course that got canceled. Kiboshed. Yeah. Yeah. Variety is reporting that Marvel mm. Studios is planning multiple new animated series, other animated series following What If. Okay. Well, was it Variety or Hollywood Reporter that also reported that Marvel Studios is going into pre-production on an Agatha Harkness live action series? Yes, I saw who, that. Who even asked for that? Everybody did. Nobody that. asked for that. No, no. Everyone asked for it now that they've been told that they, that's, no, that. You know, so, no, nobody cared for that. Now that character was lame. Now, what, what are you talking about? That show was bad. No, it was not. That show was good. And yeah, I, I would love an Agatha Harkness series. I think that'd be great. I really like the woman portrayed. I liked her when she was just in the background parts of all those god-awful comedies. She was funny in all of them. Griff also asked this. I like the podcast, but could you make it more orderly and put it out in a more regular fashion? No, yeah. you can't. <laughs> we never know. What we get each episode. Griff, yes, we're working on it this time. Reality keeps interfering. I've said this before. I'm editing the podcast. It takes me a full day. If I do not move and just sit in front of the computer, it takes me a full 10 hours to edit the podcast. My life as such is that things tend to interfere. Things like your father doing an impression of Wile E. Coyote and falling off of roofs and ladders and stuff. So I apologize for that. My wife and I have sat down and we've got a plan going forward where you should get something once a week from us starting next week. So we're going to do everything we can there. And as for making it more orderly, yeah, we've got a new format that comes with it that should work out well. Albert and Sandra doesn't need to worry about the format because it'll be done after we record the podcast in editing. So I appreciate that, Griff. Please bear with us on that. Just a lot of stuff happens and trying to coordinate the times too. It gets problematic. Do we have any final words about What If? I know they're doing a season two. What If is where Conan will be part of the MCU. Yeah, yeah. I still say he's getting a movie and they haven't told us. I, I think he's getting a movie in phase four or phase five. Phase that's what five. we need. We need a PG-13 Conan movie because that's worked out every other time they've did a PG-13 Conan movie. I don't what? still don't understand why Conan has to be part of modern Marvel universe. I just didn't make sense. Funny. We'll get to that funny. Savage Avengers. Savage Avengers is yeah. funny. Yes, uh, we'll get to that. But we don't know that Conan's going to be a part of modern MCU. I think it's going to be a straight up Conan movie. And I think it'll revolve around Cooling Gap being set up as a baddie at some point. Cullen Gath is pretty up there when it comes to baddies. I'm looking for that. My other major gripe I have about the ending, the last two episodes, why in the hell did James Spader not come back to do Ultron's voice? Because he didn't want to. I can't find anything on that. I can't find anything about it, whether they didn't approach him or he turned them down. I'm sure they approached him. He just didn't want to do it, I assume. Well, I, I mean, he, he's got his own series. Natalie Portman did the voice for Jane. Well, Natalie Portman is getting in her own Thor movie. Well, yeah, but I mean, still, the, the if anybody wasn't going to do a voice, the list of the voice actors in this absolutely amazed me. And I just, Ultron did not hit the same without James Spader's voice. 
without was, James Spader's I mean, acting. The Ultron from Ultron, from that second Avengers movie was garbage. The Ultron in that second Avengers movie well, kicked ass. I was about to say he was one of the best things about that movie. Yeah, there were no best things about that movie because it was not. That a movie, movie was a great movie. People are coming around to it. <laughs> That's it for what if we're going to get another set of what ifs and yay. I just wish they would adhere a little more to certain rules like the infinity stone. I I wanted James Spader's voice. The thing about the infinity stones is I guess the, the reason why it was so egregious, they used it as a plot point to point out that the infinity crusher could only deal with native stones in its universe. Right. So why would you like point a big old neon glaring arrow to that and then ignore the fact that these infinity stones didn't come from this universe and shouldn't have worked? Oh, well, speaking of which, also, somebody hit me up, and I'm sorry, I apologize, because I don't know if you hit me up over text message, I don't know if you hit me up at Kingdom Casts or Kingdom Comics, for whatever reason, I didn't write it down, so I apologize for not having your name in front of me, but somebody sent me links saying, look, in what if they show Ultron and the Watcher fighting on Mustafar? No, they do not. That is not Mustafar. That is not the Star Wars reality. Star Wars and Marvel will never meet so far as the cinematic realities are concerned. You don't that is know not, that. I do know that. That is not Vader's castle in the background. That is another alternate Earth situation. That is not Mustafar. So, no, I can say that. People are using that for YouTube points. It has been designated from high up that the Star Wars reality will not intertwine with the Marvel reality, even in What If?, But I'm sure they did put that in there to get people talking. But it doesn't even look like Vader's castle. And you're talking to someone who spent three hours building the Lego Vader's castle. So I'm somewhat of an authority on that. Well, that's your fault. (laughs) This is a pretty cool build. I like that. I mean, it's just a black triangle. Do not insult Ralph McQuarrie. I mean, I could draw that. Do not. Oh, well, now speaking of that, there is discussion of bringing an alternate reality Star Wars series based on the artwork of Ralph McQuarrie to Disney+. Plus. I'd be down for that. I didn't like it when Dark Horse attempted to use Lucas's original notes and notebooks. That just didn't work out for them, Dark Horse Comics. But if you get a fresh batch of writers and make it in the style of Ralph McQuarrie's artwork, I would love to see that. Sandra would, too. (laughs) Albert's wedding himself in anticipation. No, I'm not. Uh, interesting aside, Discovery, the USS Discovery on that series that Paramount continues to push on us, that was actually Ralph McQuarrie's for, redes- for the redesign of the USS Enterprise for Star Trek Phase 2, which became Star Trek The Motion Picture. What? The Discovery in the TV series Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. the ship was designed by Ralph McQuarrie. They went to him when they were doing Star Trek Phase 2, which was going to be returning Star Trek to television with everybody except Leonard Nimoy, who didn't want anything to do with it at the time. When Star Wars hit at the theaters, this changed everything, and Paramount turned Star Trek Phase 2, which had a lot of elements from the next generation in it, into Star Trek The Motion Picture. And they dropped Ralph McQuarrie's redesign for the Enterprise because it looked too foreign to them. Years later, when Paramount's penniless and wants a new Star Trek series, they go back to 1976 and pull that out of the files and use that as the USS Discovery. I think it's a cool design for a ship, for a Starfleet ship. I wouldn't want it as the Enterprise. 
Okay. I thought you were going to do the segue into speaking of Star Wars and Star Wars Vision. Speaking of Star Wars and Star Wars Visions, did that not kick ass? That show is really hard to binge watch. Every episode's the same thing. It is not the same thing. It's a different style, different storylines. The one that I couldn't get completely on board was the brother and the sister. Really? And the conjoined Star Destroyers. The one that I fell asleep in three times was that second episode about the band. Oh, I didn't care for the band, but the more I see the band, the more I think, ah, it's cutesy. I was not a big fan of that one. I loved the first episode. I did the rest of them. My two least favorites were the one about the band and the twins. To me, the first one was the best one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other one I liked was the one that was pretty much Astro Boy. That was very touching. Was that the Pinocchio one? Yeah. Yeah. That was just Star Wars doing Astro Boy. And I thought that was a very well done one, too. I thought that, too, when I saw it. I thought, this is Astro Boy. Even kind of looks like him, doesn't he? Yeah. On purpose. There we go. But I mean, the rest of them I could do without. It was not easy to get through this series. I enjoyed it. I liked the one of the Stranger in the Village, the one that had the good, the bad, the ugly kind of vibe to it. The Man with No Name. And I know those Westerns were based on the Kurosaki films. So you're kind of coming full circle. Kurosawa. Kurosawa. No, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. What did I say? Kawasaki? God. I'm not Jeez. insulting the man. I honest to guess God, you are. Man's name. I apologize. Good Lord, it ain't that hard to pronounce. Even I can pronounce it. Jesus, it's the Kurosawa. The Kurosawa. I'm not, <laughs> not going to have some woman that doesn't know how to say Downtown Abbey. <laughs> downtown Abbey. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I thought it was very touching. I'd love to see. And I think we are going to get another set of visions. I think that's great. But Albert, it's not that you didn't like it. It's just that you couldn't watch it all in one scene. No. Well, no. Too many of them are pretty much the same thing. I didn't get that. I did. I mean, yeah, they involved lightsabers because lightsabers (laughs) are cool. I enjoyed visions. Back to the emails. Tell me why I should watch Sandman after watching that trailer. That comes from. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) That comes from Mr. Michael Nip, who is co-producer and co-host of the Deuce cast. And they just hit 500 episodes. And that is beyond remarkable, given the fact that we had to skip last week because I couldn't edit an episode together. Congratulations to the Deuce cast. They talk about movies. They talk about fandom, everything. So if you haven't checked it out, give Michael and Dave and Earl a listen. It's damned entertaining. So Deuce cast. Michael has asked us, tell me why I should watch Sandman after watching the trailer. That's a very good question. Albert, go ahead. I don't think you should. And why shouldn't he? Because it was not a good trailer. Okay. And I just don't think the show is going to be pretentious enough to work. (laughs) If if Neil Gaiman was not like the most pretentious man to ever write a comic book, that that Sandman book would never would have worked. But it did. (laughs) Gosh, I would have to say that I love that trailer. And I don't mind. Of course, I'm a Namer fan, so... (laughs) Problems with pretentious. Well, this is the perfect setup, and you two so rarely give me the perfect setup on something, but this is the perfect setup for this. This is what I learned watching the Sandman trailer and forcing my wife to watch it with me. I sat there and I watched the whole thing and I was excited for it. I'm in agreement with Sandra. I saw that trailer and I was, bam, I'm psyched up for this. 
then I turn to Denise and I say, doesn't this look great? And Denise looks at me and says, I don't know what the hell I just saw. I know Charles Dance is going to be in this. And that's all I know. She said, that's all this trailer told me. What? She said, I heard them doing the, the witchcraft spells. I know that they say they were trying to catch death and they ended up with dream. She said, but these are abstracts. They don't mean anything to me. The only reason I would watch it is because Charles Dance is in it. Oh, my God. Well, but that's the truth, Sandra. The truth is, is they made that trailer, that teaser to appeal to me and you who have read that book. That's right. They did not make it to appeal to Albert, who hates that book. Or I hate Denise, that book. Denise, who knows nothing about it. Michael, I'm assuming, is falling in the same category as Denise. He knows very little about Sandman. If I'm wrong on that, Michael, I apologize. And he wants to know why he should watch it after watching the trailer. And I got to tell you, with just that trailer, yeah, for somebody that doesn't know who and what Sandman is and is about, there's not much incentive in it. So what I'm hoping is, is they did that trailer to tell fans everything is going to be okay and that the next trailer We'll try to draw in the new watchers, the audience. I don't know. I just. Uh, you don't. Okay. I said. Spend the entirety of the first season with him in that bottle. No, I think that's more like three episodes. I think the first season ends with death's appearance, just like the first trade paperback. Yeah, but she showed up when he got out. No, she shows up after his quest for the items, for his missing items, his missing pouch of sand, his helmet and his emerald. She shows up after all of that. I think they're going to do the first trade paperback. And the question is, is because the first trade paperback is a very different tone from the rest of the trade paperbacks since Neil Gaiman was writing a horror comic, but switched tones with it, starting with the second trade paperback, the second story arc. My question is, are they going to be able to keep up the same tone? Are we going to make changes in it? I cannot tell you, Michael, that based off of that trailer, you should watch Sandman. What I'm saying is that trailer tells the fans. I'm also saying that I can see where it does not give incentive to people who are not familiar with Sandman to watch it. I'm hoping that, and they will, they will release another trailer, and I'm hoping that second trailer will do the trick for you. But right now, I'm excited about it. Sandra's excited about it. Albert, I made the statement that, you know, Albert hates Sandman, and you said, no, I don't. Could you clarify that? I don't hate it. Well, how do you really feel about it? I think there's some great stuff in that book until you get to the end of it. I thought the the end of it was bad, but I mean, I don't hate Sandman. I think it's a great book for the most part. What did you think about the trailer? I did not like the trailer. I'm sympathetic toward him. Sandra, you got all excited about the trailer just like I did, right? Yeah, I enjoyed the trailer. I'm hoping it's going to be okay. It looks great to me and Sandra, who are fans of the book, but I definitely understand why it's not drawing in new watchers. Hey, speaking of bad trailers... Did we all catch the Game of Thrones new series, Nobody Cares? You mean you like Nobody that? Cares? I don't. I could give a damn about that now. I was trying to be apologetic for the last couple of episodes. They've tainted that, that franchise. They didn't taint that franchise. They killed it. You remember all the stuff, the Game of Thrones wine, Game of Thrones beer, Game of Thrones uh, 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 pogs, Game of Thrones this, Game of Thrones that being thrown at. They had a mass merchandising campaign going, and by God, it died. It just like it didn't exist. Yeah. There used to be all these jokes about R.R. Martin coming out with the last book, and that all stopped. 
with the last episode. Nobody cares. They managed to kill a franchise. Yeah, I disagree with you on that. I said as she took a sip out of her Khaleesi mug. (laughs) I enjoyed that. I will read the next books that come out. I'm waiting for him to finish that series. I'm beginning to wonder. I mean, he's not getting any younger. I think they killed his interest in it, too. (laughs) Or any smaller. They might have killed his interest in it in that he, why write the book if that's, if this was anywhere near the ending that he was going toward? I'll go one further with with that concept, Sandra. Not only does he have to come up with an ending for this story, he has to come up with an ending that renews interest in the story. And that's a lot of pressure. It has to have the buzz behind it. Otherwise, he's going to cut sales of that new book in half. In conclusion, Michael, that's why you shouldn't watch Sandman. (laughs) Is anyone other than me watching Why the Last Man? That comes in from Jordan. Why the Last Man's on Hulu. Yes, it's on Hulu. And other than the initial advertising campaign, there's not been much on it, but they're churning out episodes every week. I watched the first four episodes and then realized that I wasn't really watching the fourth episode, Jordan. (laughs) I don't know. There's something missing about it to me, Jordan. Although I'm going to give it this, Ampersand kicks ass in this. My God, they must have spent uh, half of the military budget for the United States making that monkey look real. (laughs) Uh, i love ampersand and they're not giving me enough of him and i understand why they're not because he costs too much i think the actors are fine diane lane is she's a wonderful actress i really don't i'm not finding flaws with the actors i like agent 355 she's still solid she's a solid character but really when i got to the fourth episode i realized that i was sitting there and had picked up a book that was next to me and reading it and not watching the episode and that is a sure sign to me they lost my attention i'm not sure where they lost it i'll go back and attempt to watch a couple more episodes but so far it doesn't feel I'm okay with them changing certain points in the story. I think it is important that they address the trans issue, which was not as predominant in Vaughn's comic book. I'm okay with all of that. It's not drawing me in like the comic book. And I think that's a hell of a comic book and would recommend it. That's easily in my top 10, the 75 issues of Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn. How about you, Albert? How do you feel about the comic book? It's just white male guilt. Must you ruin everything for me? <laughs> well, that's that, all that book is, though. Where are you getting that? By reading every issue of it as it came out. I don't know. I, I didn't draw it. it. I enjoyed the comic book. I still keep it in my top 10. The ending to it was spectacular, and that was a hard landing to pull off. And Vaughn did it. So I, I highly recommend the comic book. I can't say the same about the TV series. Apparently somewhere after the second episode, I got really, really bored and didn't realize it. Did you read Why the Last Man, Sandra? No, I tried to read the first trade and I could not get into it. It shows you what happens. You know, all of you running around critiquing men all the time and then they're all gone. The world goes to hell. <laughs> God. Except for one man and his monkey. <laughs> The second volume of Why the Last Man was mostly dedicated to women running around trying to find ways to open pickle jars. (laughs) So wrong. (laughs) Cars became utterly useless, not because they ran out of fuel for them, but because all that was left was women drivers. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. (laughs) 
Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> no, seriously, you should read Why the Last Man. I, those those are just bad jokes I was doing. Finally, this week, Asia writes in and says, do a Venom and Carnage review. Asia, we did. I'm sorry. I thought it sucked, except watching Tom Hardy argue with himself was pretty damn funny. That's my review, Asia. Thank you. <laughs> and now the comic book portion of our program. Sandra, just take a seat there and lean back because Albert and I are going to talk some Spider-Man. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Amazing Spider-Man issues number 74 and 75. And unfortunately, Sandra, he goes nowhere near the ocean. <laughs> Spencer pulled it off, in my opinion. I didn't think he was going to. I didn't know how he was going to, but by God, he did. Yeah, he pulled that off good. I can go with it. I can accept it. Leading up to issue number 74, which was his last issue on Amazing Spider-Man. There was a couple of issues there where I was like, dude, you're drowning yourself. You're not going to get out of this. And damn, in one issue, he pulls it all together and he walks off clean. Yeah, he resolves everything pretty good. It was the cleanest end to a Spider-Man run for a writer Yeah, in yeah. God knows how long. Slot ended kind of sloppy, and Michael J. Straczynski before him was just, yeah. But damn, Spencer exited to a round of applause on that book. So basically what he did was he went in there, he furthered the One More Day storyline by giving some setup. He leveled the playing field on that, where it can be cleaned up real easy if they want to directly address it. Then he turned around, he fixed the whole Gwen Stacy sleeping with Osborne situation and the two kids, which turned out to be the demon monster that Spider-Man was fighting. And at the end of it, when Strange asks Mephisto, the hell is your problem with Peter Parker anyway? Mephisto shares this vision with him and Strange says, yeah, that'd be great if I believed it. And Strange walks off and then Mephisto sees the real vision and it's not Peter Parker. It's Peter and Mary Jane's daughter that thwarts Mephisto in the future. He sees it one of like multiple ways, but it's always that. But it's It's always Peter or it's her. I think that's the way I interpreted it. And so, you know, that gives Mephisto cause to have broken up that marriage beyond just the fact that he's Satan. <laughs> and Satan runs around breaking up marriages all the time, we know. <laughs> the devil and, and Jezebels. Yeah. Yeah, and Bathsheba's on top of the roofs. It was very well done. Damn, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed because I was surprised that he did it so well. Yeah. Now we've moved on and Zeb Wells has taken over the writing on issue number 75. This is a start to a new story arc. Please start, too. I was not a fan of it. What didn't you like about it? I don't care much for Ben Riley. I'm tired of, like, corporate Spider-Man stuff. I was hesitant about the corporate angle, too. And I'm with you. I'm not a big Ben Riley fan. I thought they had some good lines in it. The backup story was okay. It wasn't great. But uh, I'm interested in at least seeing where this one goes. Well, I'm with agreement with you that enough with the Spider-Man Incorporated situation and enough with Ben Riley. I'm interested to see what Zeb Wells does with this simply because he has great dialogue in it. And I like the artwork. Yeah, the artwork's good. I like the artwork. Yeah, the artwork. I I mean, this Spider-Man, I'm going to keep reading it. Well, of course we are. But uh, the artwork was done by Gleason. That's a wonderful cover for the... Yeah, that's just a wonderful cover. One of the better covers here lately. So, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man. Definitely pull it. Kudos to Spencer. He cleaned up a mess that's almost 20 years old. Yep. Let's move right along. I'm going to mention this just out of there. I didn't expect either of you to have read this. Star Trek Year 5. From IDW, 
It concludes year five. There was 25 issues to Star Trek year five, and it deals with the original Enterprise and Captain Kirk, McCoy, Uhura, Spock, the original series stuff. Overall, it was pretty decent, the 25 issues. There was a lot of slow issues in there, but the 25th issue of it just set you up for a segue between the original Star Trek series and Star Trek The Motion Picture. And if you're a Trek fan, yeah, it's worth the money to pick it up and take a look at. I don't know how long this is going to be canon or if they even consider it canon to Star Trek because Paramount has problems with canon in these situations. But yeah, I thought it was heartwarming, entertaining, and it left me with a good feeling. So if you're a Star Trek fan, pick up Star Trek Year 5, issue number 25. A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number one is one that Sandra wouldn't like because there's very little dialogue in it. What does that mean? I like it. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. That was did by who Who did that? It's by Rick Remender. He wrote yeah, it. And yeah. Andre oh, Lima. man. I'm not reading anything that Rick Remender wrote. Why is That's that? why I would not like it. <laughs> That's why you did not like it, but you, but you didn't read it. Woman? Probably is why I didn't read it. It's from Image Comics, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Very little dialogue in it, but the art is Revelation. Andre Lima Arajo. I've seen his his work. What else did he do? Generation Gone Man Plus. Now, he's done some other things. The artwork is next level. Everything falls to the sh- to the shoulders of the artist on this comic book, and Arujo pulls it off, or Arujo pulls it off with style and finesse. Even the background characters that have nothing to do with anything, their expressions, their body language, their movements. This is a beautiful book. I highly recommend it. You need to pick this book up. It's A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance from Image Comics. Not too much dialogue. Like I said, most of the book is through, through the art. It's not anything super crazy or nothing, to, but I enjoyed it. No, I'm looking it, forward to the next issue. Yeah, issue number one is simplicity in and of itself. You're just following an individual through his day, but his day intersects with somebody else's at a certain point. And you don't know any of the details or anything else. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of this series. I don't know what awful thing Reminder has said about Submariner in the past that has turned Sandra off of him. But Sandra, I I think you need to at least look at the first issue. The only thing that Reminder has written that I can say I enjoyed, and that's probably more because of the artist, Jerome Opina, is the Seven to Eternity. Seven to Eternity. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Opina did Seven to Eternity, and before that, he did Reminders, most of it, Reminders X, X-Force. Yeah, Man. Uncanny, yeah, X-Force, uh, the X-Force book, but the... Oh, yeah. Seven to Eternity is just gorgeous. It's gorgeous to look at, but I mean, he's... I, I don't know. There's something about Remender's writing that is just... You didn't like X-Force? I don't think I've read most of it. His writing oh, is... Sandra, just... that's some of the best X-Men, modern X-Men stories yeah. out there. It really, really is. And it shouldn't work given the circumstances that they're formed in and who makes up the team, but it works beautifully. It I highly recommend you check like, out. be very cynical, and I, I don't... Like, I, man, I slogged through his Black Science... That was horrible. Oh, I did too. And, I, I, didn't, uh, I was not a fan of the black science. I like the first, and, you know, I was in it for the first couple of issues. All the characters are just crap. I mean, they're just crap. I mean, he's the one that wrote Scumbag. Well, okay. You got me there, but I'm still going to stand behind. You've got to read Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender, and you need to pick up everybody out there. I'm saying pull it. A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number one, Image Comics. This is worth it, and I'm excited for the rest. Albert? I agree. You can pull it as well. 
you know, Sandra, you got to read Uncanny X-Force. I don't know. Like I said, none of those, I don't care for any of those characters. I don't like Psylocke. I don't like, didn't he have Deadpool on there? It's just, uh, well, you see, I'm not, I don't like Psylocke and I didn't think Deadpool would work well with that. And that's what I'm saying. It shouldn't have worked and it worked beautifully. It was some of the best stuff. We've legitimately best stuff that we had gotten since burning Claremont. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I said that we have gotten since. Continuing our list of things Sandra doesn't like. <laughs> the Which me you love in the- just comic books in general. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe Albert of all people is saying that to me. <laughs> Land-based comic books. <laughs> the me you love in the dark issue number three. I'm not going to review this until the final issue after this issue. There's only five of them. So, uh, but the reason we're sticking with it is because I was still iffy on it. The majority of the storytelling is in the art. There is way more dialogue in this issue. And this is a creepy ass book. And I'm in for it. I'm in for all five issues on the me that you love in the dark by Scotty Young from Image Comics. I'm saying pull it. Albert hasn't read it. Sandra bailed on the first issue. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> Albert, did you read Soul Plumber from DC? Jesus. Uh, no, I did not. Did you read it, Sandra? Was it a DC book? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, it I didn't. <laughs> it literally says DC Horror Presents Soul Plumber. Oh, Soul Plumber. That What a terrible title. Yeah, well, what a terrible book. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a terrible concept. Yeah, don't waste your money on this if uh, if you haven't picked it up yet. The concept is by Marcus Parks, Henry Zabrowski, and Ben Kinsel, and it's written by Marcus Parks and Henry Zabrowski. And then a variety of people do the different pencils and the art. I was done with it by the fourth page. I did due diligence and went all the way through it. There's nothing appealing to me about this. Don't waste your money. It's one of those books, the less said about it, the better. So that is Soul Plumber, number one. I think you can just leave it on the shelf. Is it about a supernatural plumber? Yes. (laughs) Well, to some degree. There's more to it than that, but there's really not. (laughs) Nice house on the lake. Sandra, this creeped you out. You left it, didn't you? Um, I'll have to go back and read it. It just did not really grab me. It was just a lot of talking heads. and I I didn't hook me. Let's put it that way. Let's preface it with this. It's DC Black Label. It's going to cost more. We're on book five. I'm in. James Tynion IV has a good story here. He has not lost me with any uh, with any panel, with any page. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. The mystery deepens, and I've got the I've got the diehard sense that he knows how to end it. He knows where this book is going to end. He knows what the end of the mystery is, and that's important in this. This is not. Well, yeah, I mean, it's only a miniseries. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's nice, but there's a lot of them that don't know that this is not the TV series Lost, where they decide, hey, sixty percent of our viewership is female. Forget about making a story, just play sentimental music at the end of it, and uh, we can get a buy on that. Excuse um, me? <laughs> did you watch Lost, Sandra? Yes, I did watch Lost, but uh, did, did you I like the way it ended? I feel 
that the misogyny was. <laughs> it's not misogyny because it's not me that came up with that. <laughs> I think it was cheap. Did you enjoy the final episodes? What does that have to do with, with the I'm fact that asking. you're trying to say that women like I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that. What I said is that there was an executive decision, an executive producer on Lost realized that they didn't know what they were doing the entire time. They couldn't explain the polar bears. They couldn't explain any of it. They were going back on their word because they swore up and down they weren't dead. And so they smudged that around a bit. They realized they had a crap ending. Then they looked at their statistics and said, okay, this percentage of our viewership is female. So we can do this and play off the sentimentality, end it with everybody feeling sad about everything, but yet happy at the same time because they're all going to heaven together. But it's a non-denominational heaven where all of them can fit into it and they're all okay with it. And they played that music and then... Well, yeah, they, got, they ain't nothing but one line to get into heaven. But what does all that have to do with playing toward a female market? Because the next day, people were divided right down those lines. Predominantly, females bought the ending of it. No. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> did not like it at all. <laughs> Moving right along. What was what well, before we got distracted by again Stan's <laughs> horrible comments? The Nice House on the Lake, book five. It's a great book. I enjoy it. He's got an ending to it. Yeah, it's a great book. I enjoy it. I don't understand your deal about the ending. Of course, he's got an ending to it. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people don't have the ending to this. They, they make they do if they have a mini series. I don't know, man. Go back and read a few of these mini series. <laughs> What I'm saying is I'm confident that Tinian knows how to land this. I'm not going to be disappointed in the ending because he's got an ending in mind. I'm trying to convince myself that this is not going to be yet another disappointment where it all falls apart in the last issue, like Lost did in the final two-hour episode. <laughs> That's not even a comic book. <laughs> Same premise. <laughs> no, it is not. Same setup. So the nice house on the lake, DC, black label, costs more. I think it's worth it. Albert, do you think it's worth it? Absolutely. It's worth the so extended pull it. price. Pull it. Let's find one for Sandra here so she won't hurt me. <laughs> Jesus H. I bet she read Defenders. I did read Defenders. I read Defenders. Defenders is still great. Yeah, I didn't even have it on the list this week because just assume this book is great and we'll come back to it at the end and tell you whether or not to pull it. But man, it's not just us raving about it, is it? I don't know. I don't pay attention to anybody no. like me. <laughs> there we go, Albert. <laughs> Defenders is great. Everybody is raving about this book, and rightfully so. You need to be on board for Defenders, for Marvel Comics. The artwork's brilliant. Ewing is doing a wonderful job on it. I'm saying pull it. Sandra says... Pull it! And it doesn't and even have Namor in it. It's a, this, this one did. Oh, this I'm one, sorry. It did, didn't it? I'm, he wasn't in the comic, but there was a Joe Jesco Marvel Masterpieces trading card art of, of Namor on it. Take what they give you. Uh, Albert, are you on board for Defenders? Sure. Why not? 
since it's the only book Sandra reads. That's the only book I read this week or last week or the week before. What did you read this week, Sandra? Did you read Lucky Devil? You and I were talking about that one when issue number one hit. Yeah, about the guy that's demon-possessed, and he goes... Come out. Yeah, we're on issue number three. Oh. Yeah, Lucky Devil from Dark Horse Comics. It's written by Cullen Bunn. It's taken a little bit of a twist. It feels a little different than the first issue, but the artwork's still great in it. It's very disturbing. If you're into horror comics and demonic possession with real actual demons that are out to kill you and others, and if you're into gore, this is your comic. I like it for the story, and I want to see how they wrap it up. So I'm saying for the majority of you, you should browse it. And Sandra liked the first issue. No, I say skip it. I didn't care for it at all. You didn't? Why didn't you like it? thought it was crap. That's why. Yes, but why is it crap? It's just not well-written, well-drawn well or anything. I don't like the art. I'm sitting here it's looking. It's not interesting. It's... It doesn't keep me captivated. I'm saying browse it. Albert's saying shelve it. Sandra did not want to read it. Huh? <laughs> Sandra doesn't remember it. But Sandra, if missed I rem- it. Sandra missed it. I remember the first issue thinking. I, I remember saying, yeah, I, I definitely browse it. So I, I guess I need to hunt those issues well, down. To be fair, also on the first issue, you said that's probably it for me on this because I don't like these types of comics. Okay. All right, maybe that's so, why. Yeah. And you said the same thing on Nice House by the Lake as well. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you were not finding this. Okay, we're going to review the next comic book. But before we review the next comic book, we're going to go to a message from Derek. Derek writes about the comic book Marvel comic Darkhold, number one. This is yet another issue where Dr. Doom meddles with forces he doesn't understand, runs off (laughs) half-cocked, and limps back home with a serious ass-beating. This is getting almost as predictable as Albert buying yet another pop figure to add to his already massive collection. Mm. (laughs) At least Scarlet Witch is there to pull Doom's behind out of the fire. In my opinion, this should be the whole plot line to WandaVision Season 2. Well, Derek, (laughs) the Scarlet Witch shows up hoping for the Doomstick. You know what I mean. Doom is the only one standing between those Lovecraft ripoffs and reality. Doom has already turned Dormammu into his personal banana hammock, so I'd tread very lightly when talking about him, Derek. Albert, you got anything to say? No, I don't. I have something to say. What do you have to say? Yes, Albert, I did actually read a comic. I read Darkhold, I think it was called Alpha, number one. I know the issue you're talking about. No, this one was Alpha. Alpha. This one was Alpha? Okay, never mind. There there is going to be Darkhold Omega to wrap up the event, but that's probably a month or two away. Yeah, each of the characters involved gets their own, you know, Darkhold Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Darkhold, yeah, that's crap. Yeah, I have to agree that Doctor Doom was a complete idiot in this book. And I have no idea why he was written as a complete idiot in this book, because that's not really Dr. Doom. I think this is out of continuity, given the Scarlet Witch, where we find her and how she shows up, and also given what happens to the heroes at the end of it and something. I think this is kind of like Dark Ages. I don't think it's out of continuity. It's just It just wasn't published when it was supposed to be published. Oh, is this one of the COVID? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, this was supposed to be published, I think, a year ago or something like that. But there are definitely some inconsistencies here, including 
Wanda and Victor's relationship. Yeah. Wanda's in love with Doom. Period. If you read Children's Crusade, that this is not the same dynamic. No. I just felt like Doom was out of character in this book. I did. I, I felt that a lot of them were out of character. Yeah. And I also felt like, and seriously, I mean, Black Bolt saying, oh, no, I don't want to be part of this. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Black, you weren't you one of the Illuminati that was running around talking about blowing up planets? Don't well, you? The- Maximus, like, hanging around all the time. You know, it just didn't make any sense. The Um, humans are recovering. I'm okay if it takes them two or three decades to recover. I don't feel that way about the humans, but they need a complete reset after the crap that they got dragged through. My other objection is, really, these are the people that you're going to pick for reading The Darkhold? They come up with this conceit that we have to have characters that match the avatars or archetypes that we need to deal with the dark hold. But the wasp is not going to be me saying anything negative about the wasp. It's just that the wasp, it, this is not her world. This is this is why I don't feel that it's in continuity is because this book is written around the concept of I want this character, this character, this character, and this character. And because we've got these gross out designs, these Hellraiser designs that we're going to base them around. I think the art is taking the lead in the storytelling on this book. I don't know about that. I mean, there was a lot off in this book. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I just um, didn't care for it. I say shelve it. Yeah, I will probably browse it. Shelve it. Okay, because we all know what Wanda wants. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Wonder Woman 80th anniversary, 100-page, super spectacular, oversized, overpriced, one-shot. Albert, I'm going to say it, and then you can run with it. Diana needs to be retired. The future is Yara Flow. Uh, No. That's completely I'm, wrong. I'm I'm standing by that. Did Too you bad. like this? I didn't like the first story. The rest of them, I thought they were okay for the most part. And I thought at best we got mediocre stories about Wonder Woman we've seen before. My favorite was the one she was bitching, where she was bitching to herself about having to talk to her friends. I really, I really, really thought that was some wonderful insight on Diana there. Do you think it's worth the money? Overall, I do. I don't. I'm going to say shelve this. I'm going to say browse it, but... Somebody spectacular needs to come in and take over the property of Wonder Woman and Ryder. And unfortunately, Joelle Jones is busy with Yara Flow and Wonder Girl. As much as I hate Future State, as much as I hate the prognosticator or whatever, the magistrate in the Batman books, and uh, we're sending Superman away and we're going to try to convince you that Jonathan is Superman. I hate all of that stuff, but I do love Yara Flo. She's humorous. She's got a fully developed character about her. And the shame of it is that Wonder Woman hasn't had anybody to write her that knows her or understands her since the 1950s when Marston was owner. Marston's what the, heck the only are you talking about? Marston is the only individual that ever understood Wonder Woman and could write Wonder Woman stories. And unfortunately, you can't translate his perspective into modern Wonder Woman. Reading did you this, not read the George Perez Wonder Woman? I did, and it was okay. It was pretty what good. The, was, what about the Azarello run? Eh. Okay, so Zeus is her dad. Thanks for clearing that up. Nobody really had a problem with her other origin, but all right, fine. Zeus is her dad. Grant Morrison year one series with Yannick Paquette. 
Oh, I like the I like the art on that, but Wonder Woman has had a plethora of good runs. I'm I'm not sure what you're talking about because that George Perez Wonder Woman run is iconic and it's beautiful iconic. to look at. It's beautiful and, to look at, but I wouldn't go so far as to say iconic. It's not Burn Man of Steel. Albert, back me up on this. That Wonder Woman George Perez run is iconic. It's not Miller Year One. No, but it's still good. It's what? good. Yeah, Miller, you're what? No, no, no. It's slightly above average. <sighs> I mean, the artwork is spectacular. The artwork puts it overhead, but yeah, and and he did more with Wonder Woman than anybody since Marston. He did more with Diana than anybody since Marston. And George Perez is a goes a great talent. Hats off to him. But Diana just doesn't cut it next to Yara Flow, and Yara Flow's been around all of about six months. All right, I say browse it. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what is, is she just wearing like a bikini or something? And that's no, no. She's got more clothes on. This isn't about their appearance. I don't. I don't uh, this isn't about their appearance. Name. This isn't about their appearance at all. This is about the characterization that's gone into it. The factors that I found entertaining about it. If we're not going to get anybody to write Diana correctly, then let's just not write her at all. Joel Jones. She's just knocking it out of the park. And here's why. She created Yara Flow. She loves Yara Flow. Nobody loves Diana. Oh, well, whatever. Next comic. I'm saying shelve it. Albert, you're saying browse it? We're like on hour seven of this. <laughs> That's browse, browse it. it. That brings it to an end this week. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for continuing to write to us. Kingdom Casts, Kingdom C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Kingdom Comics at gmail.com. Kingdom Casts and Kingdom Comics on Facebook and Instagram when they're up. Thank you so very much. We greatly appreciate the numbers and the back uh, the past episodes are, continue to rise. And I, I really was concerned about that when we first started the podcast. But for, I mean, people tune in, they listen to them. So, <laughs> That's great, given that we talk about weekly comics and stuff, so or comics as they come out every week and the movies of that time and all. So thank you all so very much. We greatly appreciate it. we got some other things happening, and again, I hope to be back on track. Uh, we have worked out a scheduling system where we should be able to get you something every week concerning this program starting next week. It should be posted at a regular time as well. So we're going to see how that works out. It looks very doable. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank everybody for their patience. Sandra, do you have any final thoughts? I like this lock and key uh, Sandman crossover too. Oh, I do too. And can I can I quit kissing up over the Wonder Woman thing now? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Albert, do you have any final thoughts? I've been playing Diablo two the whole time we've been recording. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. I'm joking. I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Well, thank you all so very much, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Tell them good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thank you to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryant, Cornelius Burroughs, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Hatcher, Charles Hickey, Ali Marceau, Joseph Koloski, 
Katrina Olstead, and Angela Pickett. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2021. All rights reserved. like Conan the Serpent War either where he had Conan go down to the underneath the water and actually go hand to hand with Namor. Said the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> the only thing stupider than that was when Kazar <laughs> seriously Conan is 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 maybe peak human. That was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Stupid. It was. It was. It, the only thing stupider was when Kazar took a, a a dive without any gear and spied on Atlantis and wrestled a, a sea monster all in one breath. You still hung up on that? Yeah. <laughs>